Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Snap Out of It Radio Network. Hear all our great shows across the world. Join our community at snapoutofitradionetwork.com. So wake up, stand up, and snap out of it. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi, everyone. I'm Mel, and welcome to another Empowered Love radio show. And today's show is another inspirational show. And it's been really lovely, the feedback that I've had about these shows through the uh, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery group Facebook group and also lots of emails and also blogs that people put up. And I think it is really, really nice for all of us to really get our focus onto the good stuff, which is what we really do want to create as a result of being narcissistically abused. And I think it's very inspirational that we can know that there is a way through and there is a way to recover and that it's not just about surviving because my mission really is to turn the model around from simply surviving narcissistic abuse to truly, truly thriving as a result of it. So this story is no exception. This is a thriving after narcissistic abuse story. So what this story is and what this show is about, it's about a lady who is in her 50s who has undergone a miraculous transformation in her life. So in this show, you're going to learn about her painful narcissistic abuse experience, which I'm sure a lot of people are going to be able to relate to. And you're going to hear in this show how despite the high levels of love and support that she contributed to her marriage, how she did suffer, being deserted, being left in her times of surgical need and how she was ultimately discarded in the relationship, which a lot of people are in narcissistic relationships. So Frith's story is really, truly incredible and it's one that many people who have invested a great deal of effort, love, resources into narcissistic relationships can relate to. So I really hope that you're going to be inspired to learn how Frith did turn all of this around and how she is now a beautiful, radiant lady fully enjoying and claiming her life. Now tomorrow the blog post of the transcript is going to be out and there's also going to be a couple of photos there which I think you're going to just be amazed when you see them. I certainly was. It's just so inspiring. So I'm going to introduce Frith now. So Frith, thank you so so much for coming on the show. You're welcome. Yeah, and Fritz a Kiwi lady, so it's lovely to have another accent on the show. And she was just telling me, because my brother actually lives on the South Island in New Zealand, and he's got a really broad accent. And I said to Fritz, your accent isn't as broad as my brother, and he's an Aussie. And she told me that people on the North Island don't have a stronger Kiwi accent. I didn't actually know that, so... That's really quite interesting. So, Chris, we're going to get started with your story. 
So I'd like you to tell the listeners about your relationship with your narcissistic husband. Sure. Um, I met him about 18 years ago at a friend's house. Um, I was living in America. Um, His brother, who I'd known for a couple of years, actually lived next door. And he was um, really charming, good-looking, and very interested in me. Um, it took a few months the relationship to get started, although he quite tried quite hard to find me, but I was often away or home visiting in New Zealand. And after a few months we got together and I thought, well, why would he be interested in me? And as it is for so many of us, the relationship had all the warning signs to start with. Uh, the first date he never turned up as he'd been arrested for drink driving. And I actually felt sorry for him and on it went. He was funny, he was different from other men I'd met, especially in America, and I thought he was really creative and sweet. His brother had tried to warn me that he was unreliable and irresponsible, but of course um, I didn't want to take any notice of that. So we went out for about um, maybe eight or nine months and eventually moved in together into his home. And it was really an eye-opener. It was filthy and in disarray, and I, of course, cleaned it up. I sorted out, helped him sort out his debts as well. He had his own business and spent a lot of time working, which really didn't I didn't really mind. And um, then he got arrested again. I went to a counsellor that day as I was sick of the drinking, and I had also had to give I gave up any social drinking at the time. And that started the first things of many things I realise now I gave up for him. Um, his family and his sister tolerated me at best, but never really seemed to approve of me, no matter how much I did for them. They too had kind of grandiose visions of who they were, which I realise now was just simply hiding lots of truths. Our relationship continued. We visited New Zealand together quite a lot of times, and he stated he'd like to live here. So I ended up buying a house in New Zealand, not where I'm from actually, because it was where he wanted to live, and um, paid it off while I was working in America. We um, proceeded through endless paperwork to get him into the country, which was very complicated because of his background of multiple arrests for um, drinking and driving. Um, and so we were going to move, and it just not long after that decision, his brother became terminally ill. Um, and I spent a lot of time encouraging him to spend a lot of time with his brother and help to look after his brother. At the same time, his my brother and my his, my sister-in-law had a double mastectomy and so I ended up taking time off work to look after both of them. It was a really long, hard 18 months of just granting endless support. I had a job that often saw me working around 60 hours a week and I was just exhausted at the end of it all. His brother died um, after about 18 months and a few months later I came back to New Zealand for a break and just to appreciate my family. And during that time he started an affair I guess a week or so after I returned to America from being home, he left a note one night to say that he was away for the weekend and would come by on Monday and explain it all. That was two days after our first wedding anniversary. We got married quite late into our relationship, and I knew it had to be a woman. He didn't turn up on the Monday as promised, and I had to call him, to, and then he came and confronted me. He, was told, he told me he was leaving me for another woman. He'd also taken my dog with him. And I collapsed in absolute shock and grief, and I couldn't work for two weeks. I was so distressed. I had to have some time off. He um, moved in with her and was only there for about three weeks, and then he wanted to come back. 
and I wouldn't let him. He lived at his mother's for a few months. Then we went to counselling and slowly got back together. Yeah, that's quite yeah, incredible. And, and especially true after giving so much time and effort and support to his family and then going away for a break and then, yeah, that would have just been absolutely horrendous at the time. So... So mm-hmm. around this time, as you said to me, you discovered um, in this time of great pain when you were in that, you know, separation process with him and the other woman thing that happened, you you started getting some information about your inner pattern. You started doing some soul seeking. So what did you discover there? Well, I think I was, I haven't really thought much about my family a lot, but um when I tried to talk to my mother about the affair, she just she just wouldn't listen to me. It was never about me. And I started thinking, there's something not right. So I discovered a book called Will I Never Be Good Enough? And it was about daughters of narcissistic mothers, which really resonated just to my soul. I realized that it related to my experience with my mum, but I was missing the parallels with my husband completely. So when I was reading the book, I saw clearly that I'd never been enough for mum. I finally later realised how tied it was into the relationship I'd pursued as well. I tried to make, be a peacemaker both at home and in the relationship. I was taught to ignore myself and look after others. Ironically, I became a nurse as well, so my needs were never important. And I was always trying to please everybody. I was a naughty child, supposedly. But not because of what I ever did, but because I had a really creative imagination and a vibrancy which had to be tamed. So I learned to stuff my emotions down really with food. I was overweight and teased as a child, became a cereal yo-yo dieter all my life, and my body tormented me too for the things that I'd never learned to express and the belief that I could never do enough and never be good enough. So I became a really high achiever. I pushed myself to get more education. I had really big jobs at a young age just to be better and get approval, I guess, to feel all right, and yet it was still never enough. So I kind of spent my life running away from myself. I see that now. I've travelled extensively. I lived my life away from New Zealand for most of it, from ages 21 to 54. And with mum, there was always someone else that was better, prettier, brighter. And with him, I was really punished for anything I tried to do. He was really jealous, incredibly jealous and critical of any achievement I ever created. And after he and I got back together, there was a series of illnesses in his family. Yet again, I stayed and assisted, including the death of his father. And then he got really ill. Um, which was not long after his dad died. He had elective surgery for some bowel polyps that needed to come out. And um, when he was was in the hospital for about three or four days, I went in there um, to visit in the mornings, as I did every day, and there was a sink full of copious black fluid. And when I asked him what was going on, he said the cleaners had done it. It never really made sense, but in fact his bowel was twisted and he was vomiting it up. Um, He nearly died. We went home and about 18 hours later got him back to the hospital and if I wasn't a nurse, he would have never, ever survived. And after all this with his family and all the illness, I just wanted to move back to New Zealand. I kind of just had enough of it all. I can imagine. That's just incredible. So you moved back to New Zealand and then when did the relationship with your narcissistic ex-husband, when did it start to crumble? 
Um, well, we moved to New Zealand like two years ago, and that had been like eight years in the making. And I guess that's probably when the crumble started. I would guess for once I was doing something I wanted after supporting him financially for years. And I got a job really easily, and it was the first one I'd applied for, and he got he was really jealous about that. Um, I'd made my I'd always had my money separate for him from him because he wasn't very financially responsible and at one time had owed the tax department huge amounts of money. And he hated working for anyone. Um, he had a hard time getting work. Um, I wasn't bothered by that, but he was. He has to fill his life up and I realised he hated any time by himself and that became more and more evident. He got really depressed. He went on antidepressants, went to counselling and was after within a few months of arriving. He said he met Mr's family, but he didn't really make any attempt to call him regularly. And I set up Skype with our grandchildren and his daughter, and he still didn't use that. It was like he indulged in a pity party, really, and many, many poor me episodes. Couldn't get a good job. No one was showering him with compliments for a job well done anymore. And he was being spoken down to by um, the person he did work for part-time, he became moody, distant, started monitoring me incessantly, listening to my phone conversations, and became really defensive and very paranoid and silent. I realised just how unhealthy my relationship with him was compared to other normal relationships in my life and people I started to see around me. He'd also had a very unsuccessful business um, in financial terms, and found um, enjoyable work really hard to get. And he, uh, he basically had nowhere to hide and play and no skills to cope with it at all. And he, start, he was unravelling and it became a highly stressful household. So he went back to America to see his family and his mum was elderly in her 90s and in declining health and she offered him cash to stay as there was, she was mad at him for leaving. And I think there may have been other agreements made re her will and his obligations to his sister if anything happened to her. I don't really know what was said. He came back to New Zealand silent and secretive and I don't know at all what went on. While he was gone though, I started investigating the possibility of having weight loss surgery and asked him to come to an information evening with me. He seemed really supportive at the time, but he had started drinking a bit in secret and making numerous calls to them, to America and I kind of felt unsettled and knew something was going on and probably was me too, I was starting to look after myself. I went ahead and booked the surgery after that evening and then his mum died and I asked him then should I cancel the surgery because it was elective and he said he wouldn't be going straight back to America, that he'd wait until the will was read. Then three days before surgery, the will was read and... Um, he made ticket bookings and off he went to America um, and emailed me a few weeks later to say he needed to live in America. I had to call and actually ask if that meant he was done with me and he said yes. He never gave any reasons and said he still loved me. So six weeks after he left, he turned back to pack up his things. It, meant, it was meant to be only three, but he had delayed Speaking of medical problems, I really don't know if any of that was true. During this time, I needed also some major shoulder surgery from a fall I'd had um, just after we'd arrived, and I had no support from him whatsoever. I asked when he arrived in New Zealand if he loved me so much, why hadn't he asked me to go back with him? And he said he realised what family meant now and he couldn't ask me to go. 
he was very magnanimous to everyone he knew here and quite and terrible to me in the two weeks he was back. He wanted to be remembered as the good guy by all. He would not give me any explanation and he never will. His sister apparently detested me and I lost mo- all contact with his family actually. Yeah, and, you know, that's just incredible. And it, and it is so narcissistic that you've given so much support to him and his family when he was sick and he was just nowhere there for you. It must have, you must have just been absolutely wondering what on earth is this all about and, you know, what what's going on here. So when did you start getting some answers about what he was and what had really happened here? I will just say I do keep in contact with my sister-in-law. That's the only person in the family that I talk to. Um, I started telling myself that that really I started bargaining with myself. I thought that if my life ended now, that I'd done the things I'd wanted to and that would be okay. I decided that we were going through a really hard time, but I was married and I worked hard at those vows and I was apparently the only one who did. And I thought somehow we could get past it. I decided it wasn't over, but it needed to change, and the silence could not last any longer. I had not accepted that um, the relationship was over before starting NRP, NARP. I was stressed to the max. My blood pressure had been going up and up. I'd been diagnosed as a diabetic, and I was having chest pain daily, and I was just a mess. But it was while he was in America and ignoring me that I looked for information, trying to understand the family, and your website popped up in my life and it popped up and my life just exploded in front of my eyes. It was one of those huge, oh my God, moments and I had had a pure thirst to learn more and more. And that's when I began my really fast journey to come back to me. I bought the, the NART program in September 2012 and I've worked really, really hard at it. I've done those MP3s over and over. The understanding and healing started to take place really quickly. Because I've done lots of self-help, things in my life previously I think it accelerated myself through this amazing transition just to me so how long is it now since he left and how is your life different now well I can't believe it it's between seven and eight months since he left and my contact has been really minimal just to get through the divorce process which is almost complete and then the stamp of no contact will be sealed, and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really healed physically and, more importantly, emotionally. Today I can sit and I wrote this, like, just loving myself. It's like the shame of the outside's gone and the inside's whole, and it's like the two parts have just come together. I'm really excited about my life now. I live in a town where I know very few people, but I've immersed myself in new groups. I've joined a woman's sailing group and been out sailing. I went blackwater tubing, which I've never done a few weeks ago. I bought my first pair of blue jeans ever in my life and love wearing them. And meeting and getting to know new people is just a joy to me. They have no idea who I may have been as the old broken frith that I was, so I can just be myself. And the invitations are flowing and it feels really good. One really powerful thing I did, um, which was on one of the photos, is I went and had a um, photo shoot with a friend just to have a look at myself so I could understand the difference in me. But the last two blogs you've written, Melanie, have been really important to me. I think it's like that outside and inside coming to meet each other. And along with reading The Untethered Soul recently, it's like I get it all. I can be peaceful and let things just flow through me now. 
I can really observe but not attach and know that the, that it's been a huge gift. It really has. The journey's been amazing. It's been really up and down. But I truly do get that we have a choice. And minute by minute as to what we do with our vibration, we choose for ourselves. It was really tough at first. The initial concept of never seeing or hearing from him again after all the years we'd been together. But as I worked through the modules really a lot in order to heal and make peace with it, I kind of started to understand it. Having the shoulder reconstructive surgery after he left was in itself a gift as I had the necessary time off work to focus exclusively on working on myself. He said he wanted to be friends and I bought it initially. I thought we could be. Then I remembered, well, I was reminded that I should never be accepting of a friend who's capable of treating me like he had. So I've really chosen not to continue a friendship with him. For me, the more I understood about narcissism and owned the part that I played in the relationship, the more I saw I had a choice about where to from here. It's been like peeling an onion one layer at a time as I examined me. And what a true relationship to myself and another person would feel like. I've learned about boundaries and started to practice them. Sometimes it feels really, really awkward, but I'm determined to get my life right because I know it's about me. I know... know that loving me means honouring me. I love that I love me, and I can go and meet a new bunch of people, feel really good about just who I am. I don't have to have the old anxiety about trying to be accepted and trying to earn approval. I just see it all as practice. And the more I do it, the easier it's become. I still read lots of information. I enjoy learning, staying positive, and sourcing pearls of wisdom. I tend to read things about love and life way more than anything else and am I amazed at how I got to be 56 before I got what life could be. I've stated that for most of the journey in the NARC recovery group that this my story is really not that important. Really, I still think like that. We've all been through it or going through it. Really, I attach the importance to where life can go once we know we can heal and that's why I want to commit to working the program and trusting the process. Being stuck and continuing to feel stuck is not a choice I want to make. I've always been a person that looks for solutions in life and now um, I wish one day that I'll get to fully experience a loving relationship with a partner before I die and that's probably all I have on my real bucket list these days. For now I'm more than enough for me right now. I don't need to be need to be anything other than I am to create a truly loving, healthy relationship with a partner in the future. I can see now that I entered into my narcissistic relationship with many unhealed parts. I offered in this relationship a high level of intelligence, financial stability, compassion, integrity, honesty, and love for him, but not for myself. I've really had to look hard at me to heal and see that we girl within and see her as perfect just as she is and make sure that she's always loved and looked after by me. If I do that intentionally every day, I'm everything I need to be. I'm generous and compassionate. I have high integrity. I know the way I was and what the relationship was, and it did not serve my truth. And now I can move on and just be more, live my life for real, love the ride, attached to no particular experience or outcome, and this has created a wonderful peace for me. Chris, I just think this is so gorgeous. And what I loved about your story and what I said to you is, I know there are many women 
or 50s or their 60s or even their 40s or their 30s that go through a narcissistic relationship, they feel like they're back at square one, they feel like their life is over, they feel like they're too old, they feel like they're never going to make it again, they feel like their opportunity has gone. And that's what I love about your story is that you're in your 50s, you're starting again, and you are feeling so happy and inspired about it. Like, as you said to me when we were on the call before, you said, I feel like my life has finally begun. So, you know, what bits of advice, because there's so many, we know there are thousands of people out there that are going through this or or yet to get out of it and know they have to get out of it. So what... What would you suggest to them? What would you say they they need to do? Well, I mean, I really think you just need to read your website and buy the program and work and work and work at it. But I think you really also have to want it. And I think um, you just have to commit to wanting to heal. I mean, I've been lucky. I've surrounded myself with... I've got my gratitude list is huge of the support that I've had. But it's me that's had to do the work. It's no one else, and no one else can do it for you. And I really, really get that. There's people in my life who will never understand that. There's people that pretend that I've never been in a relationship for 17 or 18 years. But that program is invaluable, and it's that freedom and liberation that comes from it. I remember doing that um, module and just thinking, yeah, okay, that is. I'm free. I'm actually free. I've got my life back to me, and I can be anybody I want to be now. I mean, I'm me, but I can put myself in whatever situation I want to in life and just be happy to just experience it. And I'm not saying I don't make mistakes and um, I, sometimes I say the wrong things, but it's just pra- I just see it as practice. I don't have any attachment to right and wrong anymore. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And and it really is true. I love what you say there that nobody can do it for us. And that's that old codependent model where we really think, well, if I could just meet the right person or if somebody could come along or et cetera, et cetera. Or even if I can just go to this therapist and this therapist can do it for me and really in my whole experience with self and with the thousands of people that, I, that I've helped recover, we've got to do the work on ourselves. And it is a choice. It is a decision. And the decision is, am I going to stay in the pain? Am I going to really transform from the inside out? And am I going to commit and step up and step into myself and love and honor myself enough to become my own best friend, my own best lover, my own source to myself. Because when we do that, everything changes and then everything in our outer world starts falling into place as well. And Chris, you're just an amazing example of this. And that's what is going to be so amazing when people actually see your photos tomorrow that comes out. You can see it. It's, it's just who you were and who you are it's like, what happened to that other threat? Where did she go? And who's this lady now? So I I just think it's beautiful. It just warms my heart. And it just makes me realize that, you know, everything I went through and creating that program, you know, to be able to help people become their own healer and their own lover and their own best friend and their own source is, you know, exactly why I went through what I did. 
to be able to find that and help other people find that. And, you know, we can all share that and be in this together and know that this is not the end of your life. This is the beginning of your real life. And this changes everything if you really, really commit to you for the first time. You know, none of us were brought up when we were little to really love and honor and respect ourselves and find our power. We just weren't programmed to do that. In fact, you know, everything about our outer life has been the exact opposite. And then it all accumulates into a narcissistic relationship and we find out just how disconnected we've been from self-love and self-honor. And that's why it really comes into our life, to show us at a soul level um, that it's just not the way we're meant to be living. There's a completely different way. So, so Fred, thank you so much for sharing your story with everybody and for being so brave and coming forward and wanting to help people as you've helped yourself. That's just so gorgeous and amazing. And um, Fred's also going to be... Uh, answering blog posts if anybody's got any questions for her or you want any inspiration from her or any words of her wisdom, you, you can definitely ask mm-hmm. Fritz for that or you can ask questions for me as well. So, Fritz, thank you so much for taking the time to do this and sharing. Like, it's just been really lovely to have you on the show. Thanks a lot, Mel. Okay, good luck, everyone out there. Yeah, and work it. Yeah. Absolutely. And you are worth it. That's the whole message. You are totally, totally worth it. You've got to love you. That's what it's all about. Okay, so that's it for the show, everybody. And we'll look forward to um, your comments on Brit's story. And and I'm sure that everybody in the NART group is going to love listening to your story. They're so supportive and wonderful with Evie. So this is just going to keep continuing. It's just so gorgeous, all this inspiration we can share with each other. And uh, lots of love, everybody, and bye-bye, and I'll be back next week.